Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you have a Bible, go to Ephesians, the first chapter. We're starting a brand new series today on the book of Ephesians called Working with Grace. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, you are working with grace. There's a lot of things that God has called us to do, but he does not call us to do it on our own. We are working with grace. The book of Ephesians is made up of six chapters, and I would encourage you throughout the month of June and the rest of May, go through and read those six chapters in completion. It'll take you about 21 minutes and 33 seconds, somewhere in there to read it. It's something that you can read every day, but I want you to get an overview of what the entire book is about because out of those six chapters, it is broken down into two major themes. The first three chapters deal with what God has done for us. That's the gospel. The last three chapters deal with how we respond to what God has done. He's done some things, and we respond to him. And so today's topic, we're going to focus on the subject of purpose and activating your gift. Your purpose and activating your gift. As a pastor, one of the questions I hear over and over again is, how do I know what I am called to do? The answer is actually more simple than you think. And my goal today is to try to show you biblically how this works. And so we'll start in Ephesians 1. We'll take our time and we'll get somewhere. Turn to the person next to say, we'll get somewhere. (laughs) So Ephesians 1, 1, Paul, who is the writer, says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Right off the bat, Paul is letting us know who he is, what he does, and why he does it. He's letting us know who he is, what he does, what his purpose is, and why he has that purpose. See, he's an apostle, which means uh, that's one of the five ministry offices that Jesus established to build the church. So Paul's responsibility is to go into cities He preaches the gospel. As people respond to the gospel, he then brings them together in what we would call a church. He gives structure, he gives leadership, and he gives oversight. That is the work of an apostle. That's who Paul is. But what I want you to see beyond who he is is why he is who he is. He says, I am Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of of God. That's important for us to understand. Paul did not wake up one morning and decide, you know what I think would be fun is to be an apostle. I've seen these other guys going out there. They got a pretty good lifestyle. That's the lifestyle I want. I'm going to be an apostle. Why? Because we do not choose our gift. Our gift is chosen for us. Turn to the person next to you and say, you don't choose it. It's chosen for you. Now, here's what you need to know. Every single person in this room, every single person listening online, every single person who is alive today on planet Earth has a purpose. 
It's not like God goes, any, many, miny, mo. Richard, you got a gift. Any, many, miny, mo. Ivy, you got a gift. Every single person has a gift, and every gift is valuable. Every gift is different, but every gift is valuable. And we do not get to choose our gift. God chooses it for us. When we think about church, I don't want you to think facilities or buildings. Because how many of you know the church is not a building? I don't want you to think programs or VBSs or worship teams. Although those are a part of the church, that is not the church. The church is a family. It is many individuals coming together. The Bible would refer to us as the body of Christ. We come together we work together and we use our gifts together to build one another. The first step to understanding your purpose is understanding first, you do not choose it, and second, it is a part of the church. We are not lone rangers. The idea that you can be a Christian all by yourself is ludicrous to me. I'm not saying you can't make it to heaven because our faith in Jesus Christ is what brings us into heaven. However, I would say if you have a sincere faith in Jesus Christ and you understand who he is and what he has accomplished, you are going to desire to be a part of the church because the church is his body. We are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ here on this earth. He says, as, I, as, as he is, so are we right here in this world. What does that mean? We are Jesus on this earth. We are a representation of who Jesus is, and we carry out what he wants to accomplish through our gifts. Turn to the person next to you and say, your gift is valuable. So watch this, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. I'm going to have a lot of scripture today, so don't, you don't have to feel like you have to flip there. But the Bible says, for just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. We're many members. Somebody say, we're many members. But we're one body. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all we're all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. 1 Corinthians 12, skip down to the 18th verse. It says, but as it is, this is an important verse for, for you to hear today. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Did you see that? He decides who goes where. Why? Because we are many working together and he wants to make sure that the body is fully equipped and fully supplied so he moves us from all over the place he moves us from puerto rico he moves us from wherever it is that your family came from my family came from armenia he is actively moving us through history to get us exactly where we need to be when we need to be there to accomplish what he has called us to accomplish that should blow your mind if you think about your story and the story of your family from the past, John, everything that has happened has happened to get you to this moment because there is a call on God for your life 
for this time, and your purpose is connected to this place. Too many times when we think about determining where is it I'm going to go to church, we factor in everything other than what really matters. We think through, well, I want to go where the best children's program is. And hear my heart, I believe that we should value our children. We should have the best programs we could have. Uh, one of our values here at, at this church is excellence. We say anything worth doing is worth overdoing. So we're going to give every aspect of our ministry our best. But we do not determine the church we're going to be a part of based upon the program. We should not determine the church that we're going to be a part of based upon whether or not we like the music. We should not determine the church we're going to be a part of based upon whether we like the personality of the person who is standing on the stage. We should determine where we're going to be a part of the church based upon, God, where have you placed me? Where do you want me? It's not about my feelings. It's about understanding, God, this is where you've called me to be. This is where you've called me to be planted. And if I'll plant myself there, then I will grow and I will bear fruit. Why? Because the Bible says that God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Our purpose is connected to one another. Our purpose is for one another. You have a gift in your life because God has placed it there to benefit someone else, to build someone else up. When I say we overcomplicate purpose, we should really simplify it and understand that our purpose is to love God and serve God first. Secondly, our purpose in this life is to love people and serve people with the gifts he has placed in us. So if I am married, which I am, part of my purpose is to love my wife and serve her. Is this making sense to you? You see how we, we, we really overcomplicate this? But biblically, if you look at it, it will line up line it out for you, outline it for you, who you are supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. Husbands, this is Ephesians, later on, he says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. When I read that, I see my purpose. I am a husband, and so my responsibility is to love my wife like Christ loved the church. That means I will sacrificially love her. I will lay down my life for her. Are you following this? I am a father of three children. I understand that my purpose is to love those girls, to serve those girls, to train those girls, and to equip those girls with what they need to follow Christ so that they can walk in their purpose. How many of you have a job here? By the show of hands, not many people got. So let's start here. The Bible comes against laziness. So your purpose today is to find a J-O-B. <laughs> there was a person, he, they, they weren't very familiar with Scripture, but they wanted to start reading the Bible, and they, they, they heard that you can read the Bible for what you need. And so they needed a job, so they said, we, I started in the book of Job. <laughs> I can go all day with this. But if you have a job, your 
purpose is to work hard, to work with integrity, to love the people you work with, and to serve them. Well, I don't like them. doesn't matter. Your job, your purpose, is to love them. Your purpose is to be a light to them. Jesus says that you are the light of the world. A city set on the hill that cannot be hidden. What does that mean? Your purpose is to be light. Your purpose is to bring unity and not division. Your purpose is to walk in truth, to share truth, and have no part in deception. That is who you are called to be. That is your purpose, to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. And as long as you are following Christ and using the gifts that he has placed inside of you, he then will start moving you where you need to be. Why? Because the Bible says that your gift, the gift that God has placed in you, will make room for you. It's actually pretty effortless. It's actually pretty effortless to walk in your purpose as long as you are following Christ and allowing the Spirit of God to lead you and not your emotions. Allowing the Spirit of God to lead you and not your feelings. See, sometimes people get offended within a church and they will pull themselves from the place that God has connected them to because they've been offended. Think about that. But my job as a Christian is to rise above offense. Offense is a stronghold that will trap you. Did you know that? Offense is a prison that will bind you and hold you and keep you from your purpose. The best thing that you can do is allow the offense to leave your life. If there is someone that you need to forgive, forgive them. Why? Because that's your purpose, to forgive. If there's someone who needs your love, love them. Why? Because it is is your purpose to love them. If someone needs restoration, the Bible says you who are spiritual, restore them. Why? Because it is your purpose to bring restoration, not to tear down. I believe that people have gotten really good at tearing others down, and we're not that great at building one another up. We hear about somebody in the church who's messed up or done something they shouldn't do, and our first line of defense is to gossip, to slander, to tear them down, when actually if we are spiritual, it should be to love and restore, because we understand that there is a gift in their life that has value. There is gold in there. You ever been to Dahlonega? You should go sometime. There's this place that you can go, and they'll let you pan for gold. And essentially, you give them your money, and in exchange for your money, they give you a bag of dirt. But if you'll play with that dirt a little bit, if you'll sift that dirt around a little bit in the water and allow it to wash off, sometimes you will find that there is gold in there. Sometimes when we look at one another, all we see is the dirt. We focus on the dirt, but if we can love them and allow God to work on them and to sift them a little bit, we can find the gold in them, which is their purpose, their call, their value. And I need you to know your value. You know why? Because your value is connected to me. I need you to understand your gift because God has placed you in my life for your gift to benefit me, as well as my gift 
to benefit you. We don't hear a lot about this in church, do we? We don't really consider purpose, destiny, gifts, callings, anointings. But Paul is telling us, look, God has set me aside for the purpose of being an apostle. He chose me. He anointed me. He called me. It wasn't my decision. It was God's decision. And he wants us to understand that is the same for us. You have a purpose. There is a call, but God has determined it for you. So the next question we have to ask is, if I am called, which I think we've discovered that we are called, if I have a purpose, which I think we've discovered that we all have a purpose, if I have a gift, which I believe that we have discovered that we all have a gift, the question is, how do I know the gift and how do I activate the gift? How do I know what my gift is and how do I activate it? Again, this is very simple. What are you good at? What are you passionate about? And where can it fit? What am I good at? What am I passionate about? And where can it fit? I was thinking earlier this week, if, if Activation Church did not exist, I would find the place that God has called me and my family to be planted. That would be the first step. God, where do you want me to be? Where, where are you calling our family to go? Once I went, I would connect to that church. I would start giving to that church, supporting that church. I would start paying my tithe to that church because I have seen what God does for us when we honor him with our wealth. There's no question about it. So that's the first step. I'm going to find the place. I'm going to connect to the place. I'm going to support the place and be a part of the vision and making sure that the vision is carried out. But the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to determine, okay, where is my gift most needed within this body? And I am going to plug in and I am going to serve and I am going to cause that area of ministry to grow until another door opens within that church for God to move me into where he wants me to be if he wants me to move into it. Does that make sense? When I was young, growing up in church, I served in all different kinds of ministries and areas of the church. I cleaned the church. I had the dustpan ministry. I had the pledging of the pews. You know what pledge is? Anybody remember pledge? Y'all remember church pews? It's all wood. I would, yeah, I made sure people could just slide on in. I would pledge the pews. <laughs> I cleaned the church, man. If toilets got stopped up, I was unstopping the toilet. I joined the choir. I sang in the choir for a bit. Uh, this is kind of a side note, but at, at our church, we had a, uh, around Christmas, we had a nativity set up in the atrium. And one night, I was a kid, and I thought it'd be funny to rearrange the nativity. <laughs> and I put the baby Jesus somewhere he should not have been and probably put a donkey in the little, yeah, put a donkey in the man. I thought it was hilarious, you know. Well, apparently some people of the church got offended, you know, that baby Jesus wasn't in the manger and there was a donkey there. And so they took it to my father, who was the pastor. And when my father stepped on stage, he started going after this person who had defiled the nativity. Meanwhile, I'm in the choir loft, and you may not know this about me, but my reaction to being nervous 
is laughter. And it's uncontrollable laughter. And it's not just a normal like, ha, ha, ha. It's, it gets into this pattern where it's like, ah, 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 And I can't control it. I can't help it. And so dad is just going after who, who in their right mind would, you know, and I'm losing it. Up there in the choir loft, I'm slipping down, into, you know, beyond the wall. And, he, and then he, dad goes, son, did you do that? I was like, yeah, that's me. But I did, I did all different kinds of things. I served as a puppet in the puppet ministry for the children. I wore a gorilla costume for the kids. I was known as Ping Pong the Gorilla. Now watch this. None of those things looked like being a pastor of a church, which I was ultimately called to be. But they all worked together to get me where I needed to be. Does that make sense? So understanding your purpose and walking in purpose is simply getting involved and using your gift wherever you can and being faithful with it. That's the key right there. Being faithful where you are until God opens up the next door. Within the church, if there's anything that we do lack, it's not gifts because everyone's gifted. What we lack within the church is faithfulness. Some people either never connect or they don't stay connected long enough to discover where God's wanting to take them. Because I know that I'm called to preach and I'm wearing this gorilla costume. I'm beyond the gorilla costume. I'm called to be an apostle to the nations and I've got a broom in my hand. You understand? So it's getting involved. It's faithfully serving where you are. And when you do that, God moves you where you need to be. I mentioned last week about the lazy river at Whitewater. It is simply, purpose is simply getting into the lazy river, resting in God, using your gift and talent wherever, however, whenever it is needed, and allowing God to move you where you need to be. And then your gift makes room for yourself, and he moves you into it. If you think about the apostle Peter, and you think about his story, he was a mighty apostle. Jesus called him a rock. He preaches his first sermon, and 3,000 people get saved. He's walking in his purpose of being an apostle. Do you know how it started? He made his boat available to Jesus. Jesus was out and about one day. Peter just got done fishing. Jesus steps into his boat. Peter allows him to preach from his boat, and that was the starting point to becoming the apostle that he was called to be before he was informed in his mother's womb. Next step, he simply follows. He spends time with Jesus. You can go through many stories through Scripture. You can look at Elisha, who became a mighty prophet of God. You know how his story started? Working with oxen. He's pushing the oxen. But because he was pushing the oxen when he should be pushing the oxen, he came in contact with a man named Elijah. Elijah takes his cloak, throws it on Elisha, and Elisha runs at him, after him, starts following him. You know what he does? He starts serving Elijah. He becomes the servant to the man of God. All of these things are positioning him to get where he needs to be. If you look at King David anointed and called by God to be the king of Israel. But before he was the king of Israel, he was a shepherd. He was a skilled musician, and he was deadly accurate with a slingshot. 
He was faithful in his season, and all three of those things worked together within his purpose to get him to where he needed to be to be the king. If he was not a skilled musician, he would have never had access to Saul. If he was not if he had not taken his time to develop his gift with the slingshot, he would have never been able to take out Goliath, which made him a national hero overnight. All of those things in his life, every gift that God has given you is working together to get you to where he's called you to be. Are, are you understanding that? You can go on and on and on. Paul, who is writing the book of Ephesians, he was extremely educated, he was extremely dedicated to his cause, whatever that cause was. Saul, who he was Saul before he became Paul, he was extremely dedicated. And all of those things that he had learned in his life and all of the, the education and, and the languages that he learned was all moving in to, towards his purpose. And once he has a revelation of Jesus Christ, then his purpose comes alive and starts moving in the right direction because that's what grace does. Grace works with us to make our purpose move in the right direction. Now, this part is important for us to understand. I'm taking time to kind of teach today. But I want you to understand because many times when we deal with the subject of grace, we think unmerited favor. And that is true. We do not deserve what God has done for us. He has done what he has done because of his love for us. But beyond unmerited favor, grace is the empowering presence of God for you to accomplish your purpose. Grace is the equipping and the empowering and the provision for you to be who God has called you to be. That's why when I say working with grace, it's important for us to understand we're not doing this alone. God has already given you the gift. He empowers the gift. He resources the gift, and he'll provide whatever you need to make that gift operate and bear fruit. Watch what the Bible says. 1 Peter 4, verse 10, as each has received a gift. How many of you are in each? So you've received a gift. Use it to serve one another. What's the purpose of your gift? to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Romans 12, 6, having gifts that differ. Why? Because your gift is not my gift. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. Are you seeing how grace is more than just unmerited favor? 2 Corinthians 12, 9, but he said to me, this is Paul, he's, he's basically complaining to God in prayer. God responds and says to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What is that power of Christ? It is his grace upon you. Have you ever heard anyone say they're just really graced in this area? It means you're gifted in that area. You're called in that area. The Bible goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, chapter 15, verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not me, but the grace of God that is with me. Did you catch that? 
It's not me. It is the grace of God that is with me. I am just a vessel. I really want you to catch this, church. I was talking to the gentleman before service. We were, we were going to pray, and I was, I was expressing my feeling towards this. The fact that we are just vessels that carry the presence and the power of God. If that is true, which scripturally it is, then why would I be bashful to ever step into something that God has gifted me towards? Because it's not about me. So if God has called me to it, he'll help me with it. And I love how God gives us living illustrations. This morning, I woke up at 5.30 and I was sitting alone in my living room. I played this game uh, on Sunday morning, see how many cups of coffee you can drink before 6 a.m. I was winning. And uh, Randy, who's our worship pastor, he texted me to let me know that Cameron, who plays guitar, wasn't going to be here. And so I was texting back and forth with him, like trying to figure out the situation, trying to work out who could, you know, could do it because the first song especially was more guitar heavy. Finally, I was like, I'm going to do it. So I said, I'll I'll do it. I'll I'll be there. About that time, my father texted me and he just said, you know, go get them today. And I was telling him the situation. I was like, you know, I've got 40 minutes to get showered, get ready, learn two songs, get to the church, play them. But I'm gifted. You, You understand? So I never questioned, I never questioned what would happen because I knew that I'm gifted. If God has given me a gift and there's a need, I'll plug in my gift and I'll let him do the rest. Does it make sense? I've seen him do it time and time again in my life. When I was a younger guy, there was a gentleman who played piano for my father's church. He had been with my father for over 20 years. Overnight, he was gone. My father had no piano player for church. So my father said, Arm, I want you to play piano. Not only did I not know the church songs, I didn't play piano at the time. The only thing that I knew was a song that Randy had showed me on my mom's piano. (laughs) What's the name of that song, Randy? I could play it if I, but, no, no, it wasn't that, but there was another song that I, yeah, Long December. So there was another song that, because I had started kind of dabbling around on guitar, and I learned Freebird on guitar. (laughs) And so I transposed Freebird in my mind, okay, to the piano. Again, I'm not a pianist by any means at this time, don't know much, but there was a need at the church, and I said, you know what, I'll step in, I'll do it. And so during the altar call, I would play Freebird as somber <laughs> and as reverential as I could. That's how it started for me, as a piano player for the church that I grew into to where I actually did learn the church music, played piano for several years, and became the worship director at that church. But I had a gift that I made available, and it took me where I needed to be. Why? Because his grace is with me. If he's called me to something, he will use me, and he will bless it if I'll make myself available. 
I may be like Peter, and all I've got this moment is a boat. I don't have a sermon. All I got is a boat. But if I'll make that boat available, one day when the sermon needs to be there, it'll be there. And I don't have to worry about what I'm going to say because he'll give me the words to say it when I need to say it. Some of you, like when it comes to witnessing to your friends and family, you're like so concerned. What do I say? What do I say? Stop worrying about what you're going to say. Make sure that you spend time in prayer with God, and when you encounter that person, believe that God will give you the words to say when you need to say it. Why? Because that's how it works. Grace. It is his grace on your life. The next thing I want you to see is grace takes your gift and moves it in the right direction. Turn to the person next to you and say, grace moves your gift in the right direction. Your gift is your gift with or without Jesus Christ in your life. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So when he created you, he designed you for a purpose, and he gifted you for that purpose, whether you use it for him or not. So he may have given you the gift to be a musician. Without his grace, you'll go out and cause all kinds of mayhem out in the world with your gift. But when Jesus Christ comes into your life and you encounter his grace, that grace turns it, and it's used for the glory of God. You could go all, all through your life in the different gifts. Grace will move it into the right direction. A moment ago, we were talking about the Apostle Paul. If you know his story, before he became an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was very zealous towards destroying the church. And he used his gifts. He used his education. He used his influence in the wrong direction to destroy the church. Once he gets a revelation of who Jesus Christ is and grace starts working in his life, now that which he was using to destroy the church is being used to build the church. Why? Because grace will always make sure that my gift is moving in the right direction. What is the right direction? The direction of fruitfulness for your life. The final thing that I want to mention to you is this. The starting point of grace is understanding who you are in light of what he has done. The starting point of grace is understanding who you are in light of what he has done. I told you at the very beginning that the book of Ephesians is broken into two themes. First three chapters, what he has done. Last three chapters, how we live as a result of what he has accomplished. If we don't get that right, then we're going to miss it. Watch this, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. This is where the Apostle Paul starts to lay out what Christ has done. It says, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us, in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Can y'all hold on to that and remind me about that later, that we should be holy and blameless? I need somebody to remind me of that, because if not, that, you got to remind me later, not now. I've got it on my mind right now. But it's not in my notes, and if it's, I forget it. So, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love... He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption 
through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So let me break this down for you in bullet what this just said. You are blessed. In Christ, you are blessed. You are chosen. You are loved. You are adopted. You are redeemed. You are saved and you are sealed. This is what he has done for you so that as a result you can live for him because without him doing this you could do nothing you would be like a hamster on a wheel expending a lot of energy and accomplishing nothing the apostle paul before he met christ jesus he expended a lot of energy his desire was to be holy his desire was to be righteous but he thought it was all about his works he thought it was all about his accomplishments he thought it was all about his effort but once he understood the goodness of god and what christ jesus had done for him and the grace on his life he says all of that is like dung it's like filthy rags compared to understanding and knowing what christ jesus has done for me because I can never hear this and get ready Betty your time's coming you can never be who God has called you to be or do what he has called you to do without his grace to do it what was I supposed to tell him Betty and blameless Betty I've got to remember a whole sermon you have one line I'm just kidding, Betty. I'm playing with you. He says that we're called to live holy and blameless. When we read things like that, it should fry our brains to think that, man, I've, I've got to be holy. I've got to be blameless. And if we read that apart from what he has done for us, then we start thinking, okay, here's what holiness looks like. Here's what blamelessness looks like. And I'm going to start doing, 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 doing. I'm going to discipline myself. And I'm going to do all of these things, thinking that it's leading me to holiness and being blameless before God. The problem is it cannot. Only he can do that. And the reason he can say that you've been called to live holy and blameless is because he has done the work to make you holy, to make you blameless. You are right now the Bible says, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not trying to become righteous. He has already made me righteous. Yeah, praise God.
Hmm. I can be who he's called me to be because of what he has already done. And the result of him pursuing me gives me the desire because of the Holy Spirit in me to pursue him. So now my steps are headed towards him because the grace that is on my life. And I may mess up because I've still got a vehicle of flesh, but it does not change my position with him because I am loved. I am sealed. Do you know what sealed means? You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. That means you are preserved by the Holy Spirit. Once you come into Christ, he seals your life. It's not about what you do. It's about what he has done. The result of understanding what he has done is now I rest and relax. And the more I rest and relax and allow his spirit to work inside of me, the more I become like him. It's effortless. The more time I spend in his word, the more I will become like the word who is Jesus Christ. The more time I spend in prayer and communication with the Holy Spirit, the more I am going to become like Jesus Christ. Why? Because that is where grace is moving me. So the only thing I have to do is respond to what he has already done. And I need to understand these things. It's very elementary, but we, we miss it. We've got to understand that he has done the work for you. That you are loved, even when you were unlovable. While we were still dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ died for us. We have the ability to love because he first loved us. We are redeemed because he shed his blood for us. Not because we deserve it, but because he loved us. And when he created us, he created us with a purpose. And he will do everything within his power to bring that purpose to, al uh, to come, cause that purpose to come alive in you. You're a vessel. You may be messy. But as long as you've got the Spirit of God living inside of you and you're leaning into him, he will move you where you need to be. You don't have to worry about things like, what is my purpose? Start examining, what are the gifts I already have? And where can that gift be used in connection to being a blessing to others? Did you know generosity is a gift? If you read through scripture, generosity is a gift. We are all called, we are all called, if, if we're a part of the family of God, we are all called to be givers and to be generous. But there is a grace above that normal generous heart. There is a gift of generosity where God has gifted you in business and in finances. And he has done that so that you can be a blessing to his church, which in return blesses the world. That is a grace that is on your life. If you miss that, you miss the gift that he has placed in you. There are so many gifts, so many gifts, but we miss it because it doesn't look like standing behind a podium. We don't, it doesn't look like sitting behind the drums with neon green drumsticks. So we, we miss it. We think, how am I gifted? How am I gifted? What can you do? What can you do 
to be a blessing to others.